Disclaimer. Content warning. This podcast contains views of violence, strong language, and strong situations, some of which may not be suitable for those under the age of 18 or with soft listening habits. Listener discretion is strongly advised. The Focus Fights Audio Podcast contains the expressed opinion of J. Christian Gary and whoever he may have hosting the show with him, or whoever may take the place of Mr. Gary on behalf of him. Their words are of theirs and theirs alone and do not necessarily reflect the views of Focus Fights or any entities mentioned for fear of lost opportunities or future endeavorment in whole or in part in the present or in the future. Any questions, comments, or concerns about this podcast can be referred to via DM on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at Focus Fights or via email at focusfights at gmail.com. All the fighters mentioned on this show and or any guests that the host may have on are trained professional fighters, wrestlers, and combatants. And while we cannot speak for them, we should advise you, the listener, to not try any of the hits, holds, or moves seen in professional combat sports, at home, school, or anywhere else on adult supervision for fear of potential injury and or death. With that in mind, we thank you for your patience, and we hope you enjoy this podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, what's good, y'all? It's the Chillmeister Chris Gary, and even though there is no... We are... Podcast schedule for this week. That doesn't mean that us here at Focus Fights can take advantage, and therefore, this is a very special episode of Focus Fights Audio. As we are here to talk about what had happened at Rising Landmark 5 on April 29th and what will happen at Rising 42 coming up this weekend, May 6th. Both of those events, as I basically stated on the last episode of the We Are Rising podcast, both of these events are part of the Fight TV bundle, which you can get for 30 bucks on Fight.TV and the Fight TV app. More on that as we go along, so to speak. But as I mentioned before, I am doing this as a special favor to Andrew Benjamin as well. Because we all know he's out in Japan enjoying the sights and sounds and everything that the land of the rising sun has to offer. So I figured... Just for a Noah show. (laughs) Wow, really? But still, though, if you can hear by the sound of the other voices, I'm not here alone. Of course, I got Jay Wolf with me. He's proud to be from Southern California. I got Sar Boris with... Huh? What's up, Joe? How you doing, bros? This is awesome. Can't wait to talk to you guys about this. Epic Rising 42 with Rising Landmark 5. Nothing much. And I got... 
Sar Boris with us as well. Sar, can you please introduce yourself to the faithful? Yes, we know that you're a part of the Rising FL Fans Discord, the most happening fight Discord there is that won't get immediately taken down because of some drama. <laughs> but yeah, can you please explain, but sorry, can you please explain to yourself who you are and what you're all about? Uh, well, I'm, I'm just a guy from the Houston area, Galveston County in particular. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I like I like Japanese MMA. You know, I, I grew up watching uh, UFC like everybody else did. But then you know, YouTube came along, and uh, what was that podcast uh, about the pride? Um, what was that podcast called? Uh, the, the funny one where they were making fun of those early pride events. Um, I don't remember what it was called, but it was a funny podcast. So they they were talking about and they were showing footage of the pride fights. So I was like, oh, this is cool. So I started watching Pride, and then I was like, oh, Ryzen exists. I was like, oh, that's a successor. I was like, and you know, Pride is kind of a shit show, and I love shit shows, you know. So I knew I had I knew I had to get on this train because, you know, it, it's, it's going to be good fights, but it's also going to be good shit show. I'm, I'm here for all the drama and, and the shit, so, you know, I just said, I started following Ryzen, and then I found you guys, and, you know, I'm here now. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, we're glad to be talking to you. And hey, brother, it's great to. Yeah, and by the way, it's great to see another person from my neck of the woods get involved in this type of shit. <laughs> Yeah, we we born on the island down here, as we say. <laughs> but still, yeah. though. Shout to Houston, shout to Louisiana, too, you know. Exactly. But still, though, enough. But still, though, enough chit chat. Hopefully, more people will join us as we are on Discord. So who knows? But still, though, when it comes down to the Ryzen Landmark Five and Yoyogi card that took place last weekend, that. Yoyogi National Stadium first gymnasium on April 29th, live on fight in the six-sided cage. By the way, there were nine fights that took place on this card, and I'm going to run through the results real quick because, let's face it, nobody wants to really talk about the co-main event or the main event, even though the Japanese were all over those two fights. Oh, yeah. Damn Mikuru W, they were all over it, bro. Like, you Mm-hmm. And I mean, to be honest, I'm going to just go ahead and say it right now. If a fight between Yutaka Saito and Mikuru Asakura happens again, I highly doubt people are going to be interested in it. <laughs> yeah, because Mikuru is going to you. That's why. That's why. <laughs> hmm. Of course. But still, though, going through the results as they were posted through sources, so to speak, Ali Abdulkalikov knocked out Tatsuya Yambo Saika in 3 minutes and 30 seconds. And that was probably one of the most beautiful and most ironic knockouts that there was on that card. Because it's ironic that on the VTR, they listed Yambo as the one-round killer. <laughs> well, it was pretty ironic because he got killed in one round. <laughs> yeah, that was brutal. That was brutal. That man had that... Oh, okay, so I gotta ask. Um, 
from Chechnya or whatever? I think he's from Makakala, Dagestan, Russia. Abdul Kalikov. I knew he was definitely from one of those places, for sure, with that name. But I, I, like, I, I'm telling you guys, do never, never underestimate these Dagestani fighters, bro. They're so brutal. Like they, they, they take names, bro. That was a brutal knockout. It was disgusting. Ah, uh, yeah. That was awesome. Great way to kick off the card. Also, I think we should also talk about how great the opening ceremony was, and also how Lenny Legend returned. Uh, you know, from her was and i mean when you think about the opening vtr many diehard fight fans will notice many actual casual fans won't notice but that vtr was an homage to what happened back in the old dream days because they had a similar video like that for dream 13 back in like 2009 Oh, nice. No, it actually, it wasn't 2009. I'm dumb to realize this. It was actually in 2010, but still, though. Oh, that's yeah, right. it's, just, it's, it's just amazing that Lenny is, like, still doing this at the, at the high level she is. I mean, because she is booked. Like, she's literally the announcer for Tekken 8. Like, she gets a lot of work in Japan. So, for her to still be down to do this stuff, it's, it's amazing. You know, Ryzen is lucky they still have her, you know. Yeah, we, we all are. I, I mean, it's just yeah. it's such a pleasure to hear her do, do her thing, you know, and just just gives that Japanese MMA flavor, that almighty pride FC flavor. You know, you know what I mean? It just man, it gives that big fight feel. And, and I can't wait to talk about 42 with you guys coming up this weekend mm-hmm. with the collaboration sequel fights with Bellator. But let's, 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 let's keep this, this rolling on Landmark, get through this. The next one. Yeah, let's go ahead and. Time, time yeah. Yeah, let's go ahead and keep this going, and let me continue to run down the results. Masanoi Kanehara, the old, the old, yeah, the old man Masanoi Kanehara at 43 years young beat up the young man at 22-ish, I'm sure of it. Sora Yamamoto, the second generation competitor, via unanimous decision, and Kanehara immediately said that he wants to face off against Kleber Koike Erbs. Like, that's even going to happen, because if that fight even happens, Masahonori Kanehara's going to get put out to pasture. Wouldn't y'all agree? Yes. <laughs> yeah, that, that, was, that was a great fight by him. I mean, the, the highlight of the of the opening bouts right there was his, had to have been his flying double stomp. I mean, if that would have landed, it would have been, been a KO. And it was, I mean... Uh, some superior rule set awesomeness like that. He, he, he calls it this 
strike. In this case, it was a flying stop. The, uh, the guy getting stopped or soft kicked on the ground is it has unified rules on it. So it's, it's Japanese MMA stopped in unified rules. He calls it a friendly reminder. That got everybody so hyped for that was Kanahara's double stop. And that was his first friendly reminder that got a bunch of likes on Twitter and stuff and got everybody hyped in the card. And it was, it was a pretty good performance by Kanahara. It was a pretty good fight, too, to be honest with you. And uh, I, just, I just really enjoyed that flying double stop. I just want to make sure we, we get that on record. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was pretty much a way, and I was watching this by yeah, myself. Be- it was pretty much a way of you can't teach an old dog new tricks. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome, man. I mean, look, uh, th- that that kind of stuff is why people gravitate towards, you know, actual Japanese MMA. Like, and I, I say actual Japanese MMA because it's got to have rules like that. It can't be one FC with the <laughs> like. It's got to it's got to be stops. Soccer kicks, you know, you know, as close to ballet two door rules, you know. That's right. That's right. It's got to have the stops. Got to have the, the stops are key. That's what, that's what made Pride cool, and, and that's what part of the, what makes Epic Rising cool is those stops. Then that flying stop by Kanahara, man, that just, I mean, it got the juices flowing, you know, at the start of the card. I mean, it, it, it almost even more so. Then Ali's KO in the first fight. I thought, I mean, that just, I, it got me, to jump me out, I got jumped out of my seat. I was not so happy with that, man. And, and the fight was pretty good. So I thought it was a pretty good decision by Kanahara. And Jay Chris, you think he's going to get beat down in his next fight? Or, or you don't want to, what would you say about that again? I'm not if he saying. the guy he wants, I mean, fight, yes, he will. I'm not saying that he's going to get beat down. I'm just saying that if his next fight, if Kanehara's next fight is against Clever Koike Herbs for the featherweight title, he's going to get put out to pasture. Because let's face it, this dude's been competing since 2004, maybe 2005. He's been just about everywhere. He's won titles in Sengoku. Well, he's won fights in Sengoku. He's lost three times in the UFC. He was one of the few men... To defeat Noifumi Kid Yamamoto, and especially on New Year's Eve, the late great Noifumi Kid Yamamoto, may he rest in eternal peace. But still, though, I don't think that Kanehara has what it takes to beat Kleber Koike Erfs even at his worst, because I do think that Kleber is just like a million miles away compared to Kanehara. I mean, yeah, we may have seen... Especially at his age. Especially at his age. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. We so can... Like, he was actually like a, a retirement fight then. I mean... I don't think it's a retirement fight because I think he just wants that fight. I think it rising... If it gives him that fight, I mean, like, look, you got to know, you got to tell, tell, tell him, like, hey, man, you're going to get... He'll get fucked up. Like, that's what's going to happen. He'll get mm-hmm. fucked up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. He's going to sign this waiver first. <laughs> He'll get fucked up. <laughs> and, I mean, come to think of it, I don't know if Conor Harbor has any more fights left in him. He said he has a lot left in the chamber. I don't know if he has, you know, a title fight left in the chamber. But, you know, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. But speaking of getting fucked up, let's go on to the next bout. Sundario versus Rock Martinez. This is a bout where somebody got oh, fucked man, up. Was, man, this made Guam look bad, bro. I'm not going to lie. 
Uh, yeah. Yeah, ironically enough, ironically enough, Rocky Martinez made the first mistake by coming out to that damn BB Rexa song. <laughs> Not only did he lose via unanimous decision, he pretty much got fucked up the entire fight by Soyoshi Sudario. Yeah, it was, it was bad. I kind of felt bad for him. I mean, but... Especially considering the fact with Rocky Martinez getting cut open, he pretty much proved that he had that Iron Man mentality. He can take an ass whooping, but he can keep on ticking back, you know? But still, though, when it comes down to Sodario, he's now 7-2 overall. We all seen what happened on New Year's Eve between him and Junior Tapa, and that led to... No, him and Justin Tapa. And Justin ended up... No. 
what am I saying? He got whooped by one of the damn Topper brothers, and one of the damn Topper brothers is now full-blown into UFC. Now, I said on the We Are Rising podcast that if Sudario were to win this fight, he would be getting a call-up from the UFC. I don't know how soon that'll be, but in the interim, do you think that there's anything left for Suyoshi Sudario to do in Ryzen? Because there is no heavyweight championship to go after. Now, I don't even think there's a heavyweight division in Ryzen right now to no. conquer. Sadly, no. There's no real anything he can do in support. Like, if he's got an offer, I know Jay Wolf is going to hate this, but, it's, uh, you know, it's just like, you know what, take it. I mean, if, if you need an offer, it's different if it's like there's a belt to fight for, but there's no belt. So it's just like, take it. If Bellator gives you an offer, go for that. Yeah, I, I actually agree. I actually agree with you, sorry. If he's got an offer from the UFC, just, just like uh, in a way on, on 42, you know, he's supposed to be in a contract fight going against Archuleta. If he wins, he goes to the UFC afterwards. And it's like, that's also something about Takaki uh, Barasan, the call Bargo. He, he doesn't stand in the fighter's way, or doesn't stand in the way of the fighter's dreams of going and fighting in the UFC. And that's that's pretty admirable of, of Bargo, who, who gets he gets a lot of criticism, and just want to give that a shout out to Bargo, Scotty Barnson on that. <laughs> <laughs> Tsuyoshi Sudario, you got Shoma Shibisai, you got Hideki Shrek Sakine, but those are the only three true heavyweights that you have under contract to Ryzen. And then the rest, you got to bring them all over from Europe, from the Americas, from Africa. And I don't think they would have enough money in the budget to get uh, Francis Ngannou, so to speak, or even... And I know you would probably hate this. 
I mean, are you sure that they can afford to get somebody like Nate Diaz? I mean, did, did, did Wiz Khalifa offer him like, hey, hey, possession charge <laughs> but still though Heartbreaker for you because, and you're talking, and <laughs> yeah, you're going. We're going down the rest of the card now. Reina Kubota was dominating Clara Lopez most of the way through the fight. I mean, I think she was even winning after two, and it felt like it was all over. But the crying until Clara Lopez had that leg in a chokehold, had that leg in a knee bar. And made Raina tap out and crush a whole lot of yeah, finger wagging fans. She was gonna break that leg like a baguette. Like it, it was, it, 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 it was gonna be bad if she didn't tap. Okay. Time of the bout? No, like actually, time of the stoppage. Four minutes twenty three seconds of round number three. Claire Lopez defeated Raina Kubota. And I know this is normally a question I would ask. Well. Andrew and I would ask on the We Are Rising podcast, is Claire Lopez rising worthy after that finish? Coming back to win that bout, and then Claire just you know 
performance by her. Well, I thought she was done. I thought I thought Rain was going to get the comeback W. I was loving it, you know. And then just, but all at the same time, it was frustrating to see because Raina, I don't know if you guys remember, but in her pre-fight, you know, uh, interviews and stuff, she was talking about how she wanted the cage experience. She specifically wanted to fight in the cage. Mm-hmm. She wanted to go back over to Bellator. She wanted to go back over to Bellator, fight in the cage overseas, and fight in America. And, and in this fight. when it comes down to Claire Lopez, it was her first time fighting in front of a crowd in almost four years. Yeah, I mean, she, she just looked like, like a natural. Uh, I was really impressed with her, her utilization of the uh, superior rule set. Like I said, throwing the best arm bar defense. That's no, it, it stops to the face, and she you know, did it without even hesitation. I mean, it was, it was really great. And then, then the comeback by Reyna, I mean, I was... Such a great belt, and you know, no, it, it is a great belt. It's just you know the wrong girl won because you know Reyna is that's the striker queen, right there, street queen, and, and you know just it was heartbreaking to see her lose like that again. But I mean, it just uh, also uh, you know, we were saying I uh, saw some tweets about it too about her coaching staff. You know, she might need to make some coaching changes because they were. It didn't look like they had her well prepared for the cage at all, you know, and, and despite her, you know, that's what, specifically what she wanted so she could go back to Bellator and fight overseas and impress overseas, you know, it just feels like her coaches just didn't, right, she needs to go train at, at like, in America, like, like Koji Horaguchi, Koji two belts, and go, go over to America, train with, with the real gym, with the real rap, train in the cage, you know, and, and, and then come back and then do a, a cage belt, you know, tra- train there for like six months or whatever, but like with Koji Horaguchi or something in America, and then go back there by the, before the end of the year, and you know, get on like Landmark 7 or something, and, and then after that, the next year, if you do well in that, then you can go and return to Bellator next year on the next Bellator Hawaii event. Because that's what she was talking about in her pre-fight interviews, saying that she won on a Bellator Hawaii card. And because that was the one that, as you guys know, that's the one they were talking about doing the collaboration with, where the Hawaii Commission was being pussies about the rule set for Ryzen, so it, it kind of fell through. It's just so far. I mean, we'll we'll see what the what, what you know the next the new day brings. Hey, well, they're never going to get what they want from the Hawaii Commission. They're never going to get what they want. 
But you know where they could get what they want? Who's that? Guam? No, I'm talking. Guam, there you go. Not just that, Guam. You can get that in like the Solomon Islands or something. Not Solomon. Uh, uh, the, oh. What those places where they're technically part of America, but but they're not part of America. I think it's like Micronesia or something. They probably don't give a fuck. You can probably just set up a ring there and just have it on the beach. Like, I know, mean, yeah. But then again, there is another. There is another commit. There is another state here in this country where they can fight their type of style, and that would most yeah, likely have to be. And, and, and they probably should do that, but I would just Yeah, say, like, but then again, what I'm saying is, what I am saying region. is that they would probably need to go to some place like North Dakota or something. Because I don't think they yeah. have enough money. Colorado. Those are the two places that are cutting edge in, in America right now. Colorado just accepted grounded knees for one championship. We're going to see that this Friday. Also, Oklahoma, that's where they accepted the full one-night, eight-man, one-night Grand Prix with three full fights, three 15-minute fights. Okay, well, what, what yes. reservation should it be held on in Oklahoma? Which which you see? Uh, you know, I do not know. The Choctaw Nation? The, the, the same one that the Battlegrounds MMA One Night Elimination Tournament. They held that. They held that at the BOK Center. They held that event at the BOK Center in Tulsa. Let's go ahead and talk about the next fight, and that fight, yeah, that fight would be Tana Asakura beating up V. Hajime, or V. V. May Yamaguchi, via unanimous decision, and for Yamaguchi-chan, Yamaguchi-chan, V. Hajime, this was her first fight outside of that purgatory known as that damned one championship since 2016. That's a promotion that shall not be named, okay, that, that's, that's... <laughs> that, that's that high army sponsored promotion that yes you know, I know it shall not be named but still though well Kana sure showed it well boss Kana sure dominated one championship in that bout didn't she uh, uh yeah Sakura. of course of course but if you think about if you think about Mei Yamaguchi if you think about what she's had to endure over the last seven years, she would have her mic taken away when she was trying to speak in another language that wasn't Japanese. She basically had to play second fiddle to Angela Lee. She basically had to deal with the card shark tactics of one chat resit Yatong. But still, though, when it comes down to Mei Yamaguchi, do you think that her future is rising worthy? Yes, absolutely. I mean, uh, well, why not? She's only had one fight so far. I mean, it's a super tough. Uh, Kana Azakura is a tough fighter. You know, she's a Grand Prix winner. She, she's, you know, just because she lost to Siki Izawa and, you know, and a couple others, I mean, it's just, she's still a great fighter. And, you know, just because May Yamaguchi lost to her in her rising debut doesn't mean that she's, like, done or whatever. And she should give her another chance. You know, I mean, she's she, she got, got a name, you know, got, uh, you know, what this is called, a promotion. 
she's expensive or like and a loss like that should definitely drop her value to where if she was trying to you know be expensive from coming from one championship or whatever after losing to Kana then it should definitely you know make her more affordable I guess I should say but absolutely to answer your question Jay Chris yes bring her back you know just I mean unless she's too expensive basically that's my answer to that Hmm. What do you think of the fight, though? Wasn't it a badass fight? I mean, Conor was a great fight. Yeah, tough times, aren't you? You know, you saw it too. You were watching with us. It was a great fight. I mean, I mean, look, May. I think she is rice worthy, but if they want her to stick, she she got to go against like other people. Like, oh they, they kind of threw her in the deep end with her. Okay. <laughs> I mean, come to think of it, I mean, come to think of it, considering that she's 108 pounds, do you think that she would have been a better placement fighter to face Seiki Izawa than, say, Miyu Yamamoto? Not to disrespect her, of course, because she's retiring this year, but she still can't finish a fight worth a damn. Possible. Well, you, you don't want to bring her in right away and face her against a champ like that. I mean, you, you talk about throwing her to the, you know, in the fire right away against Kana. I mean, what do you do? I mean, what, what's it called when you throw her against Tiki Zala right away? Throwing her into the abyss or something? I mean, it's just, that's like, I mean, Izawa's no joke. Izawa's a champ, and she's a fantastic fighter. I mean, if the UFC had the division, she'd be UFC champion right now. I mean, she's, she's that good, so... I definitely disagree with putting May up against her right away. I think they did it properly trying to build her into that. But it's just, I mean, the Ryzen fighters are just, just better. I mean, Kana, uh, we'll, we'll see who they match up with next, though, for sure. So, okay, let's get on to the next one. The next fight was the People's Main Event. Luis Gustavo versus OG Takeda. Hey, can, I, can I just gush over Luis Gustavo for a little bit? Oh. Yes, please do, this son. Man, please, go off, please. We'd, we'd love to hear that. Brazilian goat. I'm, I'm telling now. This man, it's got that killer. It's just something about fighters from Brazil, man. It's just some. it's the water there or something, man. He just wants to finish people. He just wants to kill people in there. That's why his name is Killer. Like, he's a killer. Mm-hmm. And he defeated Koji Takeda via split decision, even though many people thought that this fight was too close to call anyways. But do you think that it would have been better if Gustavo would have finished Takeda and suplexed him out of his tan shoes? Absolutely. I would have loved to see him German suplexing out his shoes. Like, I would have loved to see him. Like, this man. But, yeah. I mean, look. look I'll just say this, man. Ryzen... They're playing this right, okay? They're building up their next Brazilian superstar. And, you know, only only only, only way is up for him, man. He's got a three an impressive three thirteen two record, man. You know, I can't wait to say his next I can't wait to next can't wait to see his next fight. He's just amazing. I thought that was a correct split decision for him as well. I thought he just did a little bit more than Takeda did and just brought the action a little bit more and just you know, landed a little bit more cleaner strikes and just like Sar was saying, I mean just his nickname was Killer for a reason. The guy's got that killer instinct and just I mean excellent, excellent fighter. Like like you saw was saying from Brazil. Wanderlei still was pro the great Wanderlei still was pro or Wonderlay, however you want to pronounce it, he don't choose bumps, okay? I've seen his gym. He don't choose no bumps. So he's if he's putting his name behind you, 
you gotta be somebody, you know, so, man. Hmm. That's right. Indeed. Absolutely. So, when it comes down to... I want to give a job to Takeda, too. Because Takeda also won on one of the judges' scorecards. So, Takeda put up a great fight as well. It's just, I mean, Gustavo was just, just a little bit better in that bout. I mean, it was just it was just a fantastic barn burner. Probably the best fight of the night. I mean, it, it was, you know, if, if it wasn't the Claire Lopez and Reyna, that bout... And then it was uh, Gustavo and Takeda as the, the people's main event it delivered. Uh, you know, we gave the nickname on the preview show that was the people's main event and it delivered the goods. It, it was really good. And as hmm. you can tell from Zars just, you know, talk about Gustavo, it's just it super impressive. And it was a correct split decision for him. It's just a great all-around fight and great fighters in that belt, making that one great. Now, when it comes down to the results of this fight... Now, when it comes down to the results of this fight, I mean, the first question would have to be, what do you do next with Koji Takeda? And the second question would have to be, do you think that Luis Killer Gustavo is up to the task of facing Roberto Satoshi de Sosa next, considering what might happen on this upcoming card between Roberto Satoshi de Sosa and the Alpha Ginger Spike Carlisle this weekend? I, I think he is ready. I think he is I think he's down to do it. I think if they get in that, the cage or the ring or whatever, they're just going to tear it down. Because those guys, Luis is star, man. And, you know, Roberto de Souza, he's a star too. So I think you put them in together, and I think the best Brazilian wins. So I think they should do that. I like it, sir. That's, that's absolutely, I think the same thing. That's the title shot has to be in his future, in his near future. So, I mean, regardless of what happens at 42 between who Satoshi is fighting at 42, Spike fighting a forward fighter, Spike Carlisle, an awesome forward, but all action. But guys, every single time he gets in the cage, he puts on a fight of the night performance. It's, uh, I can't wait for that one. And Satoshi, regardless if Satoshi beats him or not, uh, definitely for next for the title, he's got to be Luis Gustavo, for sure. And I agree 100%. And I mean, come to think of it, what do you do next with Kochi Takeda? Because we saw Spike Carlisle in Kochi's corner. Give him another high-profile fight. Give him a high-profile fight of a guy coming off a loss like him as well. I mean, even though, you know what, it was a split decision loss, so maybe, maybe we get a little match up with someone on a big, like, five-fight win streak. You know, huge momentum behind him. I, I think Takeda's fine because it wasn't like, it was a split decision loss. It wasn't like he got knocked out or he got tapped out. It's a, it's a little exactly. bit different when he loses a split decision. You know, so I think he's relatively fine. So rising, you probably do some with him. But I, I, I think most, it's most important that Luis and Roberto have a fight. I think that's that's a money fight for rising right there. I mean, I mean the, the, the buy rate in Brazil for that fight is going to be crazy. Of course, and now, and now we're going to go ahead and talk about that 27-second knockout. Who knew that an Olympic silver medal wrestler has that type of knockout power? Shinobu Ota knocking out Kazuma Kuromoto in just about enough time to get your damn snacks.
what has this boy been drinking? Because, like, he, 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 hit him, he hit him, he hit him, and he knocked his ass out, and it was crazy. I was like, whoa. Dude, dude probably drinks his muscle milk with creatine. Let's be yeah, real. Yeah, I don't know what he's drinking, but you know who Osa, man? I didn't, I, I didn't, I, as the meme goes, I, I'm sorry, I didn't know your game like that, bro. I didn't know your game like that. <laughs> yeah. Dude just wrecked him in 27 seconds. It was, I'm, it was brutal. I mean, to be honest... from what this fight would have been because we saw the VTR we saw the previous footage that these two had of them being all Japan junior wrestling champions and all that I mean we were almost about to bear witness to a damn wrestlefuck fest yeah it was going to be a grappling match exciting part but here but wait a minute before we combine the co-main event and the main event i was just wondering what do you do next with shinobu ota what do you do next with kazuma kuramoto Probably, I think after this weekend, they'll decide for something to do with that Bantamweight belt. The, the Gustavo Takeda fight was the was the people's uh, the people's main event. 
Probably must have been at the same training camp as Naya Inouye when he started out. Yeah, he might. Is Naya Inouye your coach or something? God damn. Or Yamato Fujita, probably. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and now we're going to go ahead and talk about these two fights in tandem because they both took place in the featherweight division. They both ended in decisions and they were both, in a way, excitable. In a domestic sense for the Japanese audience, but equally boring internationally. They were, they were, they were boring as hell. Like, you know what? I just want to know what uh, Shu Harada thinks about it. <laughs> Oh, I'm pretty sure Shu Harada's ready to burn contracts left, right, and center because of this fight. <laughs> what does he think about his client? The tattooed, the tattooed, the tattooed goat ran up Hiromoto. Uh, with the worst tattoos in Japanese Japanese MMA. Um, <sighs> I don't even know. I mean, to be honest, dude needs to remove a few of those tats. <laughs> but still, though, the results were Yutaka Saito beating Ren God Hiromoto via split decision and Mikuru Asakura beating the fighting bull Juntaro Ushiku Via unanimous decision. Nobody wants to see a rematch between Yutaka Saito and Juntaro Ushiku, the first two rising featherweight champions. Everybody wants to see Asakura versus Hiromoto, but does the Saito? It, it felt like the it mm-hmm. felt like the fight guys just said, "Fuck what you want. You're gonna get you're gonna get a rematch." <laughs> but still, though, that's my point. Do you think that? But still, the question I'm trying to ask is, do you think that Yutaka Saito... Oh my god. But still, though, what I'm trying to ask, before y'all, you know, interrupt me and all that, I have enough time trying to follow along as it is, but still, though, do you think that Yutaka Saito beating Ren Hiromoto throws a complete monkey wrench into the plans of a Hiromoto Asakura fight? Yes, because they did. This is like the, the the result they did not want. They wanted Rand to win, and they wanted uh, they well they wanted Mikuru to win, but they 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 wanted Rand to win. It's probably like um, I felt like fuck. And damn it! It's like why can't we have nice things here? I mean, Ren, had, it was there for the taking. Ren showed, you know, great growth was takedown defense in the cage and everything. If he would have just, you know, thrown some more striking, I mean, it was a split decision. So one of the judges even scored it for Ren. So if he would have just thrown some more striking, he would have won that belt. And the super fight would have been, you know, with, with Makira would have been ready to go. I mean, it just... It was just so frustrating to see, and it's like I don't know if, if Ren froze in the in that because it was a big moment. It was like it was it was basically like two main even though it was a co-main. It was basically like there were two main events that night, and it was just I don't know if, if you know the moment got to Ren or not, and, and maybe that's why he cooks. I kind of made him freeze up or whatever. But you know, if he just would have thrown some more striking, he he would have won, and the super fight would have been you know ready to go. But at the same time, since it was a split decision. I mean, they can still do it in the future. I mean, I, I don't know if they want to do it next 
that they want to get Rin, you know, have a fight again and then, get, you know, come off a win and go this other guy or just, you know, match them up against each other, even though coming off of these two decisions, you know, just because it was a split decision. So one of the judges thought Rin won. So maybe, you know, just go ahead and match him up. I don't know. I mean, what, what do you, would you guys, I mean, I still think it would be big. Obviously, it wouldn't be as big as if Ren would have got, you know, not shit the bed and actually won, you know, throw some more striking. But, I mean, I still think it could be big as it is right I now. Think, I so. think it could be big. I think they just need, if they wanted it to be as big as it was supposed to be, they need to wait. Just to, like, they need to get it. I, I I cannot imagine how bad Chu is gonna fucking chew him out for that. I mean, like as you said, you had the match in your fucking hands, but you didn't want to take it. Like if you would have just throw some more strikes, you would have won. No, he just said no. Nah, I'm not. I'm not doing that. So, it was like, so frustrating. So when it comes down, sorry, sorry, I on board with giving another fight first. Throw Ren back in there right away, and then, you know, if he gets that win, then maybe match him up with Makira at the end of the year for, for New Year's Eve Super event. So, uh, that, that, that'd be what I would say do with them. And then for Jay Chris, I know what you're going to ask. You're asking about what do we do with Saito and them. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, do, do you want to match up Saito and Ushika? Or, or, nah, I do not want to. Nobody wants to see Saito versus Ushiku again. I think that ship has sailed off the dock of Tokyo Bay. So, so you want Saito and Azakura to match up then? You think that, that would be the better one? I mean, I think that would be the better one now, considering you don't yeah, really match that, winners with losers. Yeah, but that fight's gonna... We know how that fight's gonna go. <laughs> well, how, about, how about since it was a split? How about we just rematch Saito and Hiromoto, but not as a co-main or main? You know, put them as like you know the the you know the, the headliner right before the intermission or something, just to just to see you know since it was a split. I'm, I'm just just throwing out ideas here, but I mean, I mean it there, just... there's, there's definitely ways you can salvage it. But to, to, to the bottom line is this is not what Sakakibara Sika, wanted. This is not what he wanted. Like this is this, like he probably in his office. Yeah, not what anybody wanted. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> But still, but still, all in all, we've gotten through these nine fights. There were only three finishes on the card. Which one was your finish of the night? And which one was your fight of the night outside these two fights, which were completely boring? My fight of the night was um, was the Luis Gustavo Koji Takeda match. I thought that was really good. And my finish of the night was the damn knockout. The Ocha Kuramuna knockout. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I literally was watching it. I was like... Got to get my drink, and I saw all the fights over. I was like, "What the fuck?" And they showed the replays. Like, oh wow, he, he smoked him. He hit him real hard. So that's my finish of the night. Nice. Okay, I, I'm gonna go with uh, Claire, Claire Lopez's crazy knee bar over Reina. Crazy comeback knee bar, basically. That's my submission of the night. Uh, I'll, I'll go with Oto as well for knockout of the night. I mean, he, he, he overshadowed Ali's to kick off the card. It was so good. 
sorry. It was just, I mean, it was incredible. I can't wait to see both those fighters again. Can't wait to see, I mean, Luis Killer Gustavo living up to his nickname, living up to his Brazilian and Marvelous still a protege status. I mean, it's just, it's exciting. It's really exciting. Also, we also want to give a shout out to the Epic Rising Cage, the Green Cage. I thought that they did a very good job of getting the cage over with the fans, especially the opening ceremony where they had, you know, the smoke and, and had the fighters appear inside the cage before the curtain drop, like, like Houdini, and with all the smoke and stuff. They were just, and then with Lady Legend, Lady Heart, Goat Mode all night. It was just really, really a fun event. And it's just a shame that the, that the co-main and main kind of shit the bed. But even, even though Makira winning... I know, right? But at least the Makira won for the Japanese audience. You know, I'm, I'm sure that made a lot of the fans really happy. So, you know, it, it, it was just a, a great event. I just really, love, I can't wait to see the next cage event. And then please, please give me more than nine fights. I want at least twelve. You know, like like the ring events get twelve superior rules set about the cage. I mean, just. Look at the great action that we saw, you know, with, you know, you know, the first round of Claire Lopez, you know, soccer kicking and stuff, the Sudario, Sudario stops and soccer kicks, and, and the kind of how the double flying stop, the flying stop double, flying stop heel, I mean, it was just, man, it, it was so freaking fun, and just such a great event, so, well, just, I'm gonna that, go ahead and say, well, I'm gonna go ahead and say is my favorite fights of the night, obviously, the knockout of Kuromoto uh, by Shinobu Ulta was definitely a knockout that nobody saw coming, but everybody enjoyed. So that's my knockout of the night. Obviously, everybody enjoyed the submission, Claire Lopez over Reina Kubota. That is, unless you are a Reina Kubota fan. <laughs> everybody enjoyed that fight. But my fight of the night, my fight of the night is basically a draw. Between Tsuyoshi Sudario versus Rocky Martinez and Luis Gustavo versus Kochi Takeda, because those two fights really show that will, that determination, the fighting spirit that Ryzen puts on display every time they put on the show. Very well said, absolutely. Mm hmm. But now we're done with Ryzen Landmark 5. We're going to go ahead and move on to Ryzen 42, which will take place this weekend as we're recording this. May 6th from the new-ish Ayake Arena in Koto, Tokyo, Japan. The event will air live on Fight TV at 1 a.m. Eastern, midnight central, 10 p.m. Pacific. Keep on rolling. Forty-five minutes on one event is yeah. Forty-five minutes on one event is enough. Consider, I mean, considering the fact that it only took nine fights to cover. Here we go, talking about this thirteen, this thirteen fight behemoth, and I'm gonna go ahead and run down the full card right now, so that we can all discuss it one by one. Okay, in kickboxing. In kickboxing, 152 pounds, Yasuhiro Kido versus Sota Severus Kimura. Flyweights, Yuta Kat Hamamoto versus Ramazan Temurlan Temurov at 126 pounds. 
Takuya Yamamoto will take on Takeshi Yokoyama, who is undefeated at 4-0. That's at 146 pounds. At flyweight, Yuki Ito will take on the returning Ursin Batman Yamamoto, who returns to combat for the first time since he had his daughter, but more importantly, the first time since April of 2020, almost three years ago. In the lightweight division, Atsushi Kishimoto will take on recent M1 Global fighter, former M1 Global featherweight title challenger, Viktor Kolesnik. I'm pretty sure Nate the Train Lambweir knows him well. At featherweight, Yuta Okasasaki will take on boxer slash mixed martial artist Sneaky Boyd Allen. At featherweight, 147 pounds, 68 kilos, it'll be Takahiro Ishida taking on former Rebel FC world champion and undefeated streak holder Kazumasa Meijima. The fight that I'm most looking forward to, flyweights, John the Magician Dotson, 23 wins, 13 losses, never got knocked out. He will face off against Tatsuki Salmoto, who is also a knockout artist, much like Dotson is, and these two want to prove that they have what it takes to become Ryzen's first flyweight champion. In a special rules bout, two five-minute rounds, Kota Miura will take on Ren Yaman Sugiyama. In the biggest kickboxing bout in Ryzen history, kickboxing legend Buakar Porplamak or Buakar Banchamek will take on former K1 Super Welterweight champ Rukia Ampo. In the tri-main event, Roberto Satoshi de Sosa, the current Ryzen lightweight champion, will take on Spike the Alpha Ginger Carlisle in a non-title bout. And in the co-main event, main event is all Bantamweights all the time. Naoki Inoue, who wants to go on to greener pastures, will take on former Bellator Bantamweight champion and Bellator on loan fighter Juan the Spaniard Archuleta. And in the main event, Kaya Sakura will take on Yuki Motoya, the former deep flyweight and bantamweight world champion. So now that I ran down all 13 of these fights, do we want to talk about the first kickboxing bout of the evening or no? No, nah, we're going to leave that to the kickboxing guys. You know, they, they know more. <laughs> So, so I guess that's also going to disqualify us from talking about Buakar versus Ampo, right? I only know Buakar a little bit because I know he's a legend. Like, I know he's a Thai kickboxing. I know that. But I'm not big into the kickboxing. So, I'm not, I don't feel qualified to talk about it. So, no kickboxing, just MMA.
especially at Flyweight in the Epic Rising. So, but this one is also got a foreign fighter in there, Ramazan Tilarov. And, mm-hmm. and, and I, you know, I, you know, I love the foreign fighters coming in. I, I, that's what I want. I want them to go out and get more international talent. Cause it's always fun to see international talent unleashed under Epic Rising's superior rule set. So that's, I'm really looking forward to this, this belt, the first mixed martial arts belt. And you know, I'm, I'm going with the, the international fighter. Yeah, uh, I, was on I, I also got to go with uh, uh, Timberlane. Yeah, uh, he's. I, I've seen a couple of his fights just to get because uh, I didn't really know him, but I saw some of his fights. Man, he's he, he's a dog, man. So uh, I, I think he's the odds-on favorite. But you know, we'll see. But I got him as well. Hmm. Now, when you think about Yuta Kat Hamamoto, the last time anyone in Ryzen seen him was all the way back. One year before Mayweather versus Nasukawa, we had Mayweather versus Hamamoto on New Year's Eve. That was all the way back on New Year's Eve 2017. He got knocked out in about two minutes with a flying knee. He's changed by getting out of kickboxing and for the last three or so, almost three years, he's been almost dominant in mixed martial arts. I think he changed by focusing on mixed martial arts. I think that's why he's changed, and I think he has a better chance than if 2017 if this fight were to happen, but I still got Timurlane. I think this guy wants to show for Uzbekistan. I think he's going to do it. Yeah. And I mean, are you saying that because yeah, Timurov is fifteen and two with nine of his wins by way of finish? Yeah, and I'm also saying that has something to do with it. That has something to do with it. Yeah, that 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 definitely has something to do with it. I mean, because if you think about it, let's just say if Timurov wins this fight. I mean, what do you think would be next for him? It's probably, I mean, if it's not going to be in the rising featherweight division, if they make one, do you think it might be elsewhere? No, I think it'll be rising. No, because, um, yeah. um, look, this is his biggest fight in history because uh, he's probably been fighting in, you know, Central Asia. This is a big opportunity, man. So he probably wants to, to, to leave a mark and probably stay here. Mm-hmm. Understood. Jay Wolf, what say you? Oh yeah, I percent agree. I want him to stay there. I'm looking forward to seeing his debut. See how good he's gonna be, and just and I hope it kicks off the flyweight division. And you know, there's other great flyweight fights on this, including John Dotson's belt. So I mean, maybe if he Timurov is very impressive here in this belt, and Dotson's impressive. I mean, maybe that could be an opening round Grand Prix matchup. It'd be super high profile. Maybe I don't know if they want to match up that quickly or put him on different sides of the bracket. Yeah, let's go ahead and talk about this fight next, which is going to be in the featherweight division at 146 pounds or 67 kilos. Takuya Yamamoto from Chiba, Japan, 5'7", 146, 29 years old, representing Peresta Chiba. He is 8-2-1 with five of his eight wins by way of knockout. As for his opponent, Takeshi Yokoyama, representing Swell's Jiu-Jitsu Gym, fighting out of Tokyo, he is 4-0 oh, 
Three of his four wins by way of submission, but he's only been fighting since February of 2022. Last year, of course. And, of course, I mean, you have to think. Yokoyama, as we know, well, Yokoyama, many people don't know. He's a star with Fighting Nexus, but he's also a, you no, know, he's also the Fighting Nexus featherweight champion, by the way. But he's also a big-time prospect after beating up Sora Yamamoto. Do you think that Yokoyama coming into Ryzen, you know, coming in with all this flamboyance off of the back of beating somebody like Yamamoto, do you think that he's coming in biting off a little bit more than he can chew? I, I think it, I think that is true, but I also respect it because you know what you know in MMA if you don't got the guts uh, you ain't gonna get nowhere. So I respect it, but I do think it's gonna be a hard fight. But I respect it. But I I, I would put my money on, on Yamamoto here against Yokoyama. But it's gonna be a good fight. Hmm. I see. And just to clarify, Takuya Yamamoto has not fought in the Ryzen ring since October 24, 2021, when he lost via soccer kick KO to Dark Rakuto Shirakawa. Yeah, but I still think... I'm I'm still going to take him, though. Point of the matter is, when it comes down to this fight, Yokoyama is a top prospect, and he's pretty much proven that over the course of the last... 15 months in the fight world. I mean, it's just that nobody's really seen him unless you're subscribed to the Fighting Nexus YouTube channel. <laughs> not trying yeah. to put a promotional plug and, 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 out there. You, you're probably right. I just have not seen any of this stuff. So I've seen uh, Yamamoto's stuff, so I'm probably just going in there blind. So you're probably right on that. Understood. But the next fight, the next fight I'm more familiar with. Ah, uh, yeah, I mean, just because somebody ain't on the show, let's go ahead and keep this shit going so that we can hit our cue. <laughs> yeah. Yuki Ito, 13-4 and four overall. He'll be taking on 3-5 and five Urson Batman Yamamoto. Jay, can you hear us? Yeah. We were basically talking about... You know, the Yokoyama versus Yamamoto fight. Of course, we can go ahead and talk about the next fight. Yuki Ito is 13 and 4 overall, 5'7, 126.1 pounds, 26 years old, representing next Ichimui out of Aichi, Japan. He has nine wins by way of finish, seven KOs, and two submissions out of his 13 wins, but he's also lost via decision. Well, he's lost via decision three of the four times he's lost one of them via knockout, of course, and he's currently undefeated in rising competition at 3-0. and His most recent rising fight was back on July 2nd at rising 36 in a win over Yuichi Miyagi. As for Ursin Batman Yamamoto, he's 3-5 and overall, 5'7", 136 pounds, the nephew of the late Norifumi Kid Yamamoto, 
26 years old. This native Yokohama kind of guy with Japan now, I guess, on the same patch of land as Rocky Martinez and Kyle Aguilar and others, Guam. But still, though, when it comes down to Earth and Batman Yamamoto, yes, he's 2-5 and five in rising competition. He fought one time in King of the Cage. He has not fought since August of 2020. But... He was also supposed to be fighting on the same card as his mother, Miyu, who can't finish fighters worth a damn. <laughs> he was also supposed to be fighting on this card with his mother, but unfortunately, Miyu got an ACL tear. She's not going to be fighting probably until New Year's Eve. But if you look at this fight, Ursin Batman Yamamoto, 3-5, versus Yuki Ito, 13-4, are we too quick to write off the fact that Urson's probably going to lose this fight? No, I, I think he is going to lose this fight. Like, I respect the hell out of somebody. Like, let's just make this clear. I respect the hell out of anybody who takes a long absence from MMA and comes back. Because that's so such a daunting task to do. Because the fight game changes up in an instant, right? Mm-hmm. So for him to come back is very commendable. But Yuki Ito... I think he's away. I, I just think he's above him right now. Not in, not just in terms of ring rust, just in terms of a fighter right now. So I think it's gonna be. I think he's gonna lose. So I, I got Ito all the way. Okay, Jay. What say you? I agree with Zara. I think Ito's gonna win. He's got more space. And just, I mean, but you never know. You know, Yamamoto's been out for a while, has been part of training, and just, maybe he's gotten better. So, who knows? I mean, but, I mean, man, this is a flyweight. This is another flyweight matchup right here. I'm fantastic. I mean, man, I'm looking forward to it, really, to be honest with you. I mean, Yamamoto, famous family, famous name. And, you know, what, what has he been doing? How has he been training? You know, has, has he improved his game? I mean, this is a great test to see that with Ito. I mean, so it's, it's, it's going to be, uh, I'm excited to see another, yet another flyweight matchup on this card. I'm, I'm excited for it. Yeah, so I'm, I'm going yeah. to be It's going to be Ito. We've got a lot of flyweights and featherweight fights on this, on this card. Uh, yeah, of course. And. Yuki Ito is a former Rings the Outsider champion at 55 kilos, 123 pounds. So I'm pretty sure he's going to get a lot of the Mikuru fans and a lot of the Kayasakura fans behind him. But if you look at Yamamoto real quick before we move on, all of his losses were to upstart competition. Well, not only to upstart competition, but damn good competition as well. 
I mean, hell, even his last win was against a guy in Tim Estruth, who's a dominant fighter as well. But, I mean, again, let's just say if Yamamoto loses this fight, would he retire? I mean, because he's faced off against Crone Gracie, Hideo Tokoro, Manel Cape, Kazuyuki Miyata. You know, all those guys are some great-ass fighters. This next fight at lightweight, Atsushi Kishimoto versus Vitor Kolesnik. Kishimoto is 9-6-2 overall, 5-10-154.5 pounds, 33 years old, representing Kazuki Miyata's Brave Gym. He's 1-0 in Ryzen, has not fought since July 2nd, 2022, when he knocked out Kohei Tokeshi, the human weeble who wobbled but couldn't fall down. <laughs> But he's currently riding a fight-fight unbeaten streak and is, well, a former star in Deep and Grachan. As for his opponent, Vitor Kolesnik, 23-6-1 overall. Originally from Krasnodar, Russia, he fights out of Tiger Muay Thai in Phuket, Thailand. He is 5'10", 144 and a quarter pounds, 27 years of age. And judging from his 4-2-1 record in the rage of M1 Global, he is a former M1 Global featherweight title challenger who also has big wins over guys like Brian Hoy, Young Till, Daniel Swain, and a whole host of others, but is most known for his two-fight saga with Nate the Train Landwehr before Landwehr jumped into the UFC. So... When it comes down to this particular fight, all I gotta ask is, have y'all seen enough of Victor Kolesnik to warrant an opinion on who you got? Victor does, you know, it looks in, in the epic 
Joe Wolf's word on it because he's very knowledgeable to stuff. I'm not really into Russian MMA for a lot of reasons. Uh, you know, the furthest I'll go is uh, is Poland. Shout out to all the Polish viewers of Ryzen and the, all the Polish people in the, in the Ryzen Discord. Um, That's right. Daniel Dubicki. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so I'll take your word on it, but I, I, so I'm going to go with what Jay Wolf said, but uh, I definitely. I would love to see a fight because you know when when there's, when there's Brazilians versus Russians and Japanese fighting organizations, it's always a good time. So that's all right, absolutely. And sorry, uh, Victor, he's from M One Global, which is a great Russian promotion with a lot of good fighters in that. And I don't know if he was from any other ones as well, but I just know that M One Global. He was four and two in that. He's got, he's got a couple other ones on here, but. Global's not under sanction, but it was the promotion ran by German. I mean, I don't know if it was German Teton's promotion or that ass clown Ramzan Kaderov's promotion. I think that's the one. The one they said we're, we're bigger than Ryzen, but Ryzen will do events. <laughs> if you're referring to Absolute Championship Akmat, that's the promotion where they say. Let's show more fighting. That's the promotion that the ass clown known as Ramzan Kadarov runs. <laughs> that's, the, that's the one under US sanction. Yeah, that, that's the one I'm talking about. Yeah, we all know that guy's a terrorist, so fuck him. But yeah, point of the point of the matter is. Mm-hmm. But yeah, point of the matter is, who do y'all see winning this fight between Kishimoto and Kolesnik before we move on? Man, I got Victor. I got Victor all the way. I'm looking for him to be impressive. I'm looking for him to build himself into a future matchup. Because uh, he's at 155 pounds. That's, that's one of the Epic Rising's premier divisions. Uh, you know, that's, that's where Luis Killer Gustavo's at. The, the Kato's there, too. I mean, it's got... And the Soshi's the champion right now, and it's just got... From that, we now go on to the next fight on the docket, and that would be Yuta Oka Sasaki. And yes, I'm calling him by his actual first name because Oka is a damn nickname. But yeah, Yuta Oka Sasaki versus Sneaky Boyd Allen. Yuta Oka Sasaki is 23-10 and 33 years old, 5'10", 133.9 pounds. Originally... From Numazu Shizuoka, Japan, representing Longo Whiteman MMA in New York City, New York, USA. Although he's known for his 4 and 5 tenure inside the Octagon with the Ultimate Fighting Championship, 
He's currently two and four inside the Ryzen ring or cage with his most recent fight being back on February 23rd of last year, losing to eventual featherweight champion Clever Koike Erbst. He, by the time this fight happens, will have just came off of a 14-month layoff. His opponent is looking to get one win in the rising ring. Well, actually, his opponent is a dual combat sports competitor, and that would be Sneaky Boyd Allen, 33 years young, 6 feet tall, 155 pounds, representing Fight Fit Militia, and hailing from Stunning Kill, Johannesburg, Gauteng, South Africa. He is a former EFC Worldwide Champion. Um, of course, if you don't recognize EFC Worldwide, they are currently a part of the United Fight Alliance. You can see them just about anywhere. The United Fight Alliance runs their shows. They're pretty much very well syndicated. But more recently, though, Boyd Allen has not fought in a professional sanctioned event since his last loss, which was back on October 23rd, getting dominated by Yusuke Yachi in a tune-up fight for what I don't know. But still, though, you got a guy in Allen who hasn't fought in about, what, like six or seven months versus a guy in Sasaki who hasn't fought in close to a year plus. How do y'all think fans will expect this fight to go? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm expecting... Oh, go ahead, Quinn, sorry. Go ahead, Quinn, sorry. Sorry about that. As you said earlier, this guy got beat up in a tune-up fight. I'd be like, that's... Yeah, I'm not saying he's, he's a chump or anything, that's, but, like, if you get beat up in a two-down fight, that's, that's, um, that's a little bit concerning, so I got Oka in this. I mean, are you saying that because oh, of the yeah. fact that, you know, Sasaki is 2-4 and four on Ryzen and needs to blow off some steam? Yeah, that, that's another part of it as well, but, yeah, I just got Oka in this. Okay, and Jay, what say you? Yeah, I, I agree with Zara, I'm going to pick Oka as well, I mean, he's got just... talk about the next fight and speaking of past opponents of Oka Sasaki one of the past opponents that I've seen of Oka Sasaki in the UFC competed tonight 
and that was rising veteran Justin the Tank Scoggins. He got a submission win at XMMA fighting in a damn high school gymnasium. Nice, nice. You got back with the call. Good. Excellent. Yes, I know, I know, but. Yeah. Yeah. But come to think of it, when you think of fighters like that, like Justin Scoggins, who has experience in Ryzen before, I mean, no disrespect to Boyd Allen, who's a former EFC world champion over in South Africa, but do you think that in due time we will see more and more international fighters in the lighter weight classes fight in Ryzen? Like Scoggins returning, for instance? 100%, yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I think so as well. I think the lighter weight class is going to be what Ryzen's bread and butter is for a while. I mean, hopefully so. I mean, hopefully so, because I've seen that finish earlier tonight on that card from that high school gymnasium in somewhere in South Carolina. And yeah, even though the venue was small, you still had that big time atmosphere and Justin Scoggins was still tearing homeboy, I mean, tearing that guy that he was facing, I know that's his nickname, but it was Justin Smith, the full fighter name, he made him tap out. He almost knocked him out in that first round. Another featherweight bout indeed, and one that might potentially shake up the atmosphere in the Rise and Fighting Federation's featherweight division. Y'all probably might have some trouble hearing me, but let's see. Kazumasa Maijima versus Takahiro Oshida, right? Yep. Okay, so... Let's see. Kazumasa Maijima, 31 years old, 14 and 4 as a professional mixed martial artist fighting out of Shunan City, Japan. He is 5 feet 7 inches tall, 146 pounds, representing the Mori Dojo. He has 13 of his 14 wins by way of finish, 12 of them via submission. 0-3 in Ryzen, however. His last three losses were each via finishes in the second or third round, with his most recent one being a loss back on April 16th to, of course, the old man fighting young, Masanoi Kanehara. His opponent... Takahiro Ashida, 26-12-2 overall, representing Lil Hercules Kazuyuki Miyata's Brave Jim, 33 years young, 5'8", 146.1 pounds from Koshigaya, Saitama, Japan. He has 13 wins via finish, 8 knockouts, and 5 submissions, and is more known for fighting in deep and under the Brave Jim banner fights. But he's also 2-2 two and two in rising competition with, unfortunately for me and Andrew, the last win that Ashida got was against our boy, Hirotaka the Rich Nakata back at Ryzen 39 on October 23rd. So now that I basically slayed my voice all over this, who do y'all got in this fight? I'm gonna go with Ashida. Uh, oh, go ahead, sorry. Go ahead. You go first. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Ashida. It's a hard one to pick, but I, I got Ashida. Like they, they both have their flaws, but I, I think uh, Ashida is a little bit more impressive in Ryzen. So I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go with him. 
Majima is coming off of going 0-3 in the Ryzen Fighting Federation so far, but don't rebuke the fact that he is a former Rebel FC Featherweight Champion, not to mention he started his career off with a 14-fight winning streak. I mean, come to think of it, don't you think that counts for something? It counts, Absolutely. It counts for a lot, but it only matters what you're doing now and not what you did in your past. Because mm-hmm. like, if that was... If that if that was the case, Mike Tyson would be the greatest boxer in the world. <laughs> I mean, there's a reason why they made a song called "What Have You Done for Me Lately." <laughs> yeah, what have you done for me lately? That's that's the MMA. It's 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 cruel, it's brutal, but that's all that matters in MMA. What what have you done for me lately? You know? trying to do it but still though let's go ahead and let's you know talk about it so to speak john the magician dotson versus totsky Salamoto in a bout that could decide the future of ryzen's nascent flyweight division the fighter with the lesser record first and that would be totsky Salamoto, 18 and 2 overall 5 324.8 pounds 26 years of age fighting out of wakayama prefecture japan representing of course kazuyuki miyata's brave gym although he's only had two losses a lot of people know him for the fact of being a points fighter he only has three knockouts on his record but most of his wins are via decision well Five finishes on his record, 13 wins via decision, three knockouts, and two losses. And he's currently undefeated in rising competition at 4-0. One via knockout, of course. And yet he wants to say that he wants an opportunity to be Ryzen's first flyweight champion as he's also a former Zest, Z-S-T, flyweight champion. As for his opponent, John Dotson, the magician who's been tearing it up both in mixed martial arts and bare-knuckle boxing. The magician, 23-13 and 13 overall, 5'3", 135.4 pounds, 38 years young, with a 66-inch reach, representing the legendary Jackson Winkle John Jim in Albuquerque, New Mexico, USA. Yeah, of course. All his wins are finishes. 11 knockouts and 2 submissions to his credit. Never got knocked out. Never got submitted. As he is 10-13 and 13 in decision fights. And is a former 2-time UFC flyweight title challenger. And a former Ultimate Fighter winner. 
He last dazzled the rising faithful, knocking out Hideo Tokoro at rising 40 on New Year's Eve in 103 seconds, then bounced right back on them bitches like magic and knocked out Gerard Grant in the same way, having him damn near do the stanky leg for the world to see. <laughs> and that was about two months later. But still, though, both of these guys want to lay claim to the rising flyweight throne before the throne's even created. Who do y'all think's going to win this fight? I got Donaldson. I got Donaldson. Like, as you said, he, he, he smacked somebody so hard he did the stanky leg. It, it was brutal. And look, man, you, you list those accomplishments. As we, we talked about earlier, like, you know, your, your accomplishments don't mean much if you're on a losing streak but you know he's been on a winning streak recently and you know he's uh he's impressive man he's been impressing in japan i mean he fights he also fights bare knuckles so that tells you he's a tough motherfucker he fights bare <laughs> so he's never been knocked out never been submitted i gotta go with him man i think he's the one to win this fight but i think he's gonna try to do it he's trying to go for a finish Jay Wolf? Absolutely, Zara. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I agree 100% with Zara. I mean, I'm really looking forward to this. Dawson, John Dawson has just absolutely shined in Ryzen. And, 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 dude, he's, he's shining right now in bare knuckle, like you guys are saying as well. Getting, knocking out everybody there, knocking out everybody in Ryzen. I mean, he's, he's on quite a streak right now, quite a good run right now. And I'm really looking forward to this fellow. Like you're saying, Jay Chris, it might be for the, the inaugural uncrowned champion of the flyweight division. I mean, clearly, clearly, this, this, this is, I mean, I, I'm a, can, can Kamoto actually last a round? I mean, nobody's even lasted a freaking round with Dotson. I mean, this, this is, I'm really looking forward to this. And, and you know, Dotson, he's, he's like, like we were saying earlier, it's great international talent bringing over here to Epic Rising. I mean, just... He's, he's got it all. Got the whole. He's got the resume. Got his, you know, skill set. I mean, he's trying in two sports right now: bare knuckle and in mixed martial arts. And just, I, I can't wait to see if I, I just hope Samoto can put up enough for a fight to, to where we see him last for more than once one round. I want to see him one just a couple seconds. <laughs> I want to see how he can, you know, if he can utilize the superior rule set, all that good stuff. I mean, I'm really looking forward to this one. This one, to, to me, this is one of the future belts. Hey, we're, we're not only going to open the flyweight division, look at how awesome it's been already. 
the Oscar Alonso, if he can last more in a round. Just so many different you know, storylines in it, and just, I just can't wait. It's going to yeah, be a lot of fun. of course. Now, considering the fact that Sal Molto has a lack of knockout power compared to Dotson, the one question I want to pose is, moving forward, how long do you think that Sal Molto will last against Dotson? Hopefully, longer than a round. Like, uh, if he goes over a round, I consider that a win for him. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. 100%, sorry. <laughs> of course. Now, going on to this next fight. This is a special rules fight, so even though it's going to be under MMA rules, I have really... No idea what you would want to call it, but, I mean, let's just say... It's a that's, that's what it's called. It's <laughs> I mean, yeah. Let's... Know, I was wondering what they're going to be. Is it going to be the no soccer kicks? Do you remember how Kyoto Mira had a couple of those bouts before? I think it was with Yushi, um, where he couldn't soccer kick or something, remember? So I mean... It's going to be a unified rule, a personified unified rules belt. Uh, yeah, of course, of course. But the point of the matter is, this fight is a special rules belt at 136 pounds. Well, actually, uh, well, actually, no, 145, 145 and a half pounds or 66 kilos. Anyways, Rin Yaman Sugiyama. 5,835 pounds, representing Target Jim Shibuya Indo, Tokyo, Japan. This will be his first fight of this sort, but his second time fighting in Ryzen, as he owns a majority decision victory over Koji, the Emperor Tanaka, the now-retired Koji Tanaka, back at Ryzen 33 on the second-to-last day of 2021. He went 2-1 last year. He knocked out Sumia Ito at Ryze El Dorado 2022. Then at the match at the Tokyo Dome, he knocked out Ryusei the Catfish Ashizawa, shutting him up briefly before losing in the Rise World Series to the Prince Taiju Shiratori. So this will be his first fight of note under these circumstances. As for the young master Colt Tomiola, he is all of 20 years old, full of piss and vinegar. He's going to be turning 21, so he'll be legally able to get his driver's license. Well, he'll be legally able to drink a beer by the end of this month. A native of Kobe, Hyogo, Japan, he is five... He's never been able to drink a beer in Japan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. Five, nine hundred forty-five and a half pounds representing, again, Kazuyuki Miyata's Brave Jim. He is undefeated in rising competition, knocking out Yushi Sakura with a soccer kick, by the way, submitting Bunchai Fon Song Noen on the Mayweather versus Asakura undercard back in September, ducking Felipe Massoni like the plague. But, but, there's also this one fight that he had against Buakar. That he got embarrassed in. It was kind of like his personal Mayweather Nasakawa moment. I mean, y'all remember that fight I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. 
course, but in in actuality. thinks it's not going to be boring. What say you, Sar? I mean, look, um, it's one of those fights Ryan does a lot, you know, I'm I'm 50-50 on it, look, uh, I think Miro's going to win. I I, I say that in such an uneducated way, but I just think he's going to win, but look, I hope it's an entertaining fight, man, but, you know, these cluster bucks they keep putting on the cards, Because this next fight is going to be deemed probably the big, I mean, at least from my vantage point, it's going to be deemed one of the biggest kickboxing matches of the year. Uh, well, at least not of the year, but of Ryzen's so far seven-year history. And that is Buakar Porpromok or Buakar Banchamek. Sombat Buakar Banchamek versus the Demolition Man, Rukia Ampo. Fighter with the lesser record first, Rukia the Demolition Man Ampo, age 27, representing the all-in gym by way of the try-hard gym previously, fighting out of Himeji Hyogo, Japan by way of Osaka, Japan. He holds a kickboxing record of 26 wins, 8 losses, 14 by way of knockout, and he's only in this because of his YouTube plateau at Psycho 101 Densetsu, where he currently has 666,000 subscribers and has a view count of 238 million people. He most recently is riding a three-fight winning streak, but has not fought since the match 2022 when he beat up Kosei Yamada. He is also a former K-165 kilogram world champion. And his opponent, Sombat Burkar Banchamek. 40 years young, fighting out of Ban Song Nong County, Samlong Top, Surin, Thailand. That's enough for me to say for one place. <laughs> and there's a place in Wales, and there's a place on the Welsh countryside that can top all that name. And believe me. Good lord, that surely is a name. Yes, of course. But yeah, five foot eight, five feet eight and a half, one hundred fifty-eight pounds, 
representing the Bon Chimet Gym. He's been fighting since he was knee-high to a grasshopper like all TIE fighters pretty much have. <laughs> he holds a phenomenal kickboxing and Muay Thai record of, y'all ready for this? <laughs> 240 wins, 24 losses, 13 draws, with 73 of those 240 wins by way of knockout. And he also has fought... Mm-hmm. And, not to mention, just to list off a few of his accomplishments, he is a two-time K1 World Max Tournament Champion 2004 and 2006, a two-time K1 World Max Tournament runner-up 2005 and 2014, a 2015 Woodland Fang World Champion, a 2010 Shoot Boxing S Cup World Champion, and he's currently riding a 8 fight winning streak dating back to 2018. Don't y'all think that shit is phenomenal? I mean, look, I'm looking at his picture right now. I'm going to look him up, right? I'm not the biggest kickboxer, but, but I gotta say, this man looks like the, the Thai version of Ultimate Dragon, bro. He's got, like, 50 bells on him. Like, he's got a picture of Buddha behind him. Like, he, he's got the King of Thailand picture. You know, this man, this man looks like a killer, bro. Like, he looks like he, he fucking knocks down trees with his goddamn feet. Like, hey, this man looks like a killer, bro. Like, I'm, this man, I'm picking this guy. Hmm. I mean, you would pick that. You would pick that guy, seeing the fact that among some of his wins, they were against former Lion Fight guy Dylan Salvador, former Ryzen alum who was trying to get his 100th victory, the Gunslinger John Wayne Parr, Toby Imada, Albert Krause, and Yoshihiro Sato, just to name a few. Oh, and Nyaki Hulskin as well, the natural. <laughs> Let's go ahead and talk about that. Let's go ahead and talk about the tri-main event 
on this fight card. And that tri-main event happens to be the Alpha Ginger Spike Carlisle versus Roberto Satoshi de Sosa. Fighter who's not the champion first. The Alpha Ginger Spike Carlisle. A fighter with a flair for the entrances, the dramatics, and, well, the righteousness, so to speak. He's 5 feet 8 inches tall, 156 and a half pounds, age 29, representing the training, T-R-E-I-G-N-I-N-G, lab, fighting out of San Diego, California, USA. He has 13 of his 14 wins by way of finish, 6 knockouts, 7 submissions. Yeah, he was 1-2 and two in the UFC, 2-0 and oh in the LFA. Have gone one and one in Bellator so far, but more notably than all that, he defeated the guy he just came out to the cage with last weekend in Kochi Takeda back on Easter weekend 2022, before losing, of course, to AJ McKee back on October 1st. So that's pretty much key for something, but he wants an opportunity to shock the world. His opponent is going to give him as tough of a task more than anything, and that's Roberto Satoshi de Sosa. 14 and 2 overall, representing Bonsai Jiu Jitsu, originally from Sao Paulo, Brazil, fighting out of Nagoya, Aichi, Japan. He is 5 feet 11 inches tall, 156 pounds, 33 years of age. His total, all 14 wins by way of finish. Four wins via knockout, ten via submission. He's a jiu-jitsu practitioner for the ages. And much like Alpha Ginger Spike Carlisle, he lost to AJ McKee. But, on the other hand, at least he had a decorated win streak going between losses. Because he went on a five-fight winning streak, even avenging the Johnny Case loss from October 2019 before... Losing in grand fashion to A.J. McKee on New Year's Eve. So, when it comes down to this fight, I just gotta ask, how long do you think this match is gonna go, and do you think that with both of these guys losing to A.J. McKee, do you think that this fight's gonna be well worth seeing it live on fight? Oh, yeah. I think so. And I think it's gonna be a great fight, but I just gotta, I gotta put it down you know, I'm putting my, best, my my cards on the table right now. Roberto's going to win. I think he's got it. He wants to avenge that loss to a Bellator fighter. Probably wants to tap out a Bellator fighter. So I think that's, that's what's going to happen. I mean, they're going to probably play off that storyline as well. I mean, and by the way, Roberto Satoshi de Sosa is not from Nagoya Aichi, Japan. He's from Iwata Shizuoka, Japan. But still, though. That's what they're going to probably play off of because of the fact that De Sosa lost to, not in particularly A.J. McKee, but a Bellator fighter. We can pretty much run the whole story about how both of these men lost to A.J. McKee all we want. But it's pretty much about... Mm -hmm. But it's pretty much about how De Sosa wants to avenge his loss to a Bellator fighter by beating a Bellator fighter. Not just... Getting his win back over McKee, who's currently busy.
actually, come to think of it, you know, much like the last hour when we pretty much lumped both the co-main and main together, we're going to do it for this one as well, but I just want to basically say, off of this co-main, tri-main event in this case, I mean, yeah, I think that Roberto Sososhi de Sosa is going to be bouncing back hard because... You know, that's what the Japanese love. They love a good storyline. They love to see the fact that, you know, the Sosa wants to face off and beat up a Bellator fighter, not specifically one particular opponent, because these two men both share a similar loss in their most recent fight to AJ McKee. But, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if the Sosa is going to finish Carlisle outright. I think this is going to be a knock em, drag out brawl all the way up until the final bell is rung. Yeah. But I do see the Sosa winning via decision. It's a finish because the, 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 Sousa, or the Sousa wants to prove something. He's like, you know what? That that win over by that bell to refer, that's a fluke. That's a fluke. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tap. I, he's going to go for the tap out. That's what he wants to do. He wants to tap. Which is going to be hard, but I think he's going to try to do it. But I think it's going to end with a finish. But yeah, I, think, I, I think this is going to be a great fight. I mean, look, whatever happens, I think that Sosa is going to win. And I think he should come out right after. <laughs> My boy, Louis. Come to think of it, let's just say if the Sosa wins, is Luis Gustavo next up for him? Absolutely. Yes, I, I, I agree 100%. I think he should be, for sure. Especially if the Sosa wins. That means it's about firing the caliber Spike Carlisle. So that would be great, great. And then, in, you know, speaking of, you know, you got storylines galore in, that, in this fight with the Sosa and Carlisle. In the next fight, the other co-main co- event, or the, you know, I like how you put that, Jay Christian, the tri-main event. In the second battle, the tri-main event, we have Naoka Inouye in a contract fight where if he wins, he's going to get the call to the UFC. Face the former Bellator champion and current top five ranked Bellator fighter, Juan Archuleta. talk about these you know lumped in full so to speak a la carte but you know now that you basically forced my hand i'm gonna go ahead and talk about these anyways i mean i mean i'm gonna go ahead and talk about this co-main event anyways naoki anyway no relation to now you're the monster anyway by the way <laughs> five feet 834 pounds 25 years of age representing longo whiteman mma New York City, New York, USA, the Big Apple, by way of Toyohashi Aichi, Japan, is where he hails from. He has 10 wins via finish out of his 16 in total, one knockout opposite nine submissions, and is currently 6-1 and one inside of rising competition, mostly in the rising ring. After, of course, going 1-1 one one in the octagon, becoming a star and deep early on and having one fight for cage fury 
of which his sister Mizuki was also cornering him. But he's also coming off a win at Ryzen 40 over Kenta Takizawa. Straight arm bar, second round finish. You enjoyed it, Jay Wolf. <laughs> Mm -hmm. As for his opponent, Juan the Spaniard Archuleta, the former Bellator Bantamweight champion and four division King of the Cage world champion at 27 and 4 overall. He stands 5 feet 7 inches tall, weighing in at 134 pounds. He's 35 years of age and fights out of Hesperia, California, USA. He has 12 finishes out of his 27 in total. 11 knockouts, 1 submission, 15 decisions. He is 9 and 3 in Bellator, well, 8 and 3 in Bellator. Let's be real. <laughs> yeah, he's a former King of the Cage, Bantamweight, Featherweight, Lightweight, and Super Lightweight champion. But he is more notably the former Bellator Bantamweight champion who lost his belt back in May of 2021, almost two years ago to the day. To Sergio Pettis, then lost the interim title bout last April to Rafion Superstats, who got his head knocked off by Patchy Mix, and now he's currently riding a two-fight win streak in Bellator-based, I guess, competition. Even though you can't really call Bellator MMA versus Ryzen FF a show because it was part of Ryzen 40 on New Year's Eve, but still, he's riding a two-fight win streak. Beating up Enrique El Fuerte Barzola before beating up Social Kim, the Road FC representative in the Rising Ring on New Year's Eve. So, I just gotta ask. And also, I want to Chris, make sure you note know that Juan Archuleta is the only man to beat Patchy Mix. And Patchy Mix, that's, that's the one loss from Patchy Mix's record. The, the current Bellator Intermanaweight Champion. Well, well, we wait for Jay to come back. Um, um, basically, you want to go ahead and talk about this fight, Sar? Yeah, I mean, this is going to be a banger. I mean, this is going to be a banger. I mean, like, look, these guys got a lot on the line, okay? But in a way, as you said, if he wins this fight, it's an open invitation for Uncle Dana to fight him. Because you know how much Dana loves fighters beating Bellator fighters. <laughs>
just I've expected big things out of him. So I mean, in, in a way though, he's got so much right. He's got so much to fight for on this one. You know that, that ticket to USD, everything. So he's really gonna bring it. It is a really tough one to pick, and I, I want to pick one. My, my heart says to pick one because I just love the, you know, the, a California fighter going over there, rising, representing. You know, and, and just especially the collaboration super fight. But I mean, man, my, my head says to pick in a way because he's got so he's a great fighter as well. This is a really great matchup, and he and he's with the win, he's getting to go to USD and, and you know get a better contract. So so he, he's gonna definitely be wanting to bring it, and he's definitely not going there to lose. So yeah, my head's picking in a way. My heart wants Archuleta to win. I just expect an absolute banger. I just, I just can't wait for these two collaboration super fights. And, and actually, the entire crime main event, like Jay Krish likes to say. And let's, let's actually get into the, the main event right now and finish this, this a fantastic preview that we did. The Landmark Crime Review and this that 42 preview. The main event, go ahead, take us, take us, show us what the main event is, Jay Krish. Ah, uh, yes, the main event of this fight card of Ryzen 42. This weekend will be Kai Asakura versus Yuki Motoya. For Kai Asakura, the Toyohashi original bad boy, as AK69 likes to say. 5 feet 8, 133.8 pounds, 29 years of age, representing Triforce Jiu Jitsu Academy, fighting out of Toyohashi Aichi, Japan. This Halloween baby, born Halloween 1993, by the way, and Zendokai Karate and Sumo Practitioner, I don't know why, currently has 14 of his wins via finish out of the 19 he has in total. 11 knockouts, 3 submissions, opposite 6 decision fights, 5 of them wins, 1 loss, blah blah blah. But the point of the matter is, this former two-division rings world champion, rings the outsider world champion, by the way, and three-fight road FC veteran is 11-3 in rising competition, be it the ring or the cage, and even embarrassed Shibatar and his dumbass in wrestling. <laughs> but still, though, still, though, he has not fought in 17 months. Dating all the way back to December 30th, 2021, he lost to Hiromasa Okikubo at Ryzen 33. In that fight, it was the Japan Grand Prix Final that he lost to Hiromasa Okikubo to, so he felt like he let a lot of people down. And yeah, he did beat up Kyoji Horiguchi one time, but that was on a lucky shot and that was off the fact that Kyoji got injured. Then he broke Oka Sasaki's jaw. He lost to Manel Cape in his first title opportunity back at Ryzen 20. And yeah, like I said, he's been on a tear. 11-3 and three ain't easy to sniff out, but he has not had a fight since December 31st, 2021. So that's got to be a little bit questionable. As for his opponent, who hasn't had a fight since this past New Year's Eve, that's Yuki Motoya, the two-division deep champion. 5'7", 134.3 pounds with a 68.3-inch reach. 33 years young with a 33-10-1 no-contest record. Fighting out of Nagoya Aichi by way of Kaga Ishikawa, Japan. 
He holds a phenomenal 23 and 4 record inside the Deep Fighting Championship promotion, be it the ring or the cage, holding two divisions as a whole. But he is 10 5 and 1 no contest inside the Rising Ringer cage and is currently riding a five fight win streak capped off by knocking out former UFC flyweight title contender Hokelio Bontohim back on New Year's Eve of this past year, 2022. So, I gotta ask, who y'all think gonna win this fight? The guy who basically hasn't fought in 17 months, or the guy who hasn't fought in five? I got Kai. The reason I say that is because, you know, you can never bet against the Asakura brothers. They're the golden children of Japanese MMA as well. And plus, I have a lot of fond memories of him and his brother in Road FC. And he's a rings baby, so, you know, Fight Network's rings, the second greatest Japanese MMA promotion in history, so I got him. You know, I, you can, in Ryzen, you can never bet against the Asakura brothers, so. I'm or you can never bet against anybody with the last name Asakura, because we got to include Kana as well. Oh, yeah, 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 that's also true. The unofficial sister. The, the unofficial sister, yeah, but, I mean, they're the golden children, um, you know, so. You can never, they're good. So, so I'm going to take him. Okay, Jay Wolf, what say you? Man, I'm really looking forward to this one, bros. It's, it's, it's really a band. It's it the main event for a reason. Azakura action, bros. Also, uh, Chris, Kai is one and one with Man L Cape. He actually beat Man L Cape as well. So that they have a yeah. finished business. True, Cape true. Comes back. And he's one and one <laughs> against Kyoji Horiguchi as well. He's been out for 17 months. I'm an idiot for not realizing that. 16 or 17, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's just he was trying to heal his hand, give his hand plenty of time to heal, and, you know, now, now he's back. I'm looking forward to seeing how he, you know, he gets back in there, how he's been training, you know, how, how he looks coming back in there. And, and, but his opponent is, like I said, Matoya, he's got great momentum on his side. So it, it's just... Yeah. <laughs> 
Whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, 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 I'm not ready to wrap it up just yet. I just got one question. One more question. And actually, two, but the first one is key here. When it comes down to the co-main event and main event fight, let's just say, let's just say, Archuleta and Asakura come out victorious in this fight. Do you see that particular contest as the potential rising bantamweight title fight, like on a New Year's Eve card? Let's just say. I mean, are you sure? Because of the fact that when it comes down to, I mean, let's just face it. You basically said if anyway beats Archuleta, you know, anyway could go back to Uncle Dana's employee and fight in the octagon again. But when it comes down to Archuleta Asakura, tell me you're not going to be one of the main ones hawking the pay-per-view for, you know, for 25 bucks just to get people to watch on fight. Oh, absolutely. You know I will. That's going to be a huge fight. And if they, they have it as part of the New Year's collaboration mega event, I mean, it's, it's, man, that would just be, that'd be pure bliss. That's what it would be. It would be pure bliss of mixed martial arts action. I mean, it just, I, I, I can't wait. I hope that happens. Really. I mean, because if you know, martial arts beat in a way, the NOA is going to stay. He's not going to go to the UFC. And if, so, and Azakura beats Matoya, that's a huge win. He's definitely ready for a title shot. And that'd be a, since Kyoji has vacated the Bantamweight title, what better than the four Bellator champion and the only person that has a win over Apache Mix to, to fight Kai Azakura, one of the Azakura action bros, for the Bantamweight strap and the Epic Rising. That's just a fantastic idea, Jay Krish. And if, that, if, that, if those two fighters end up winning, Archuleta can win and Azakura can win, that's definitely something Sakaki Barasan and Shingo Sanchi should consider doing in the future, for sure. Mm-hmm. 100%. Great idea. Sar, what say you? I think it sounds like a great idea. Hmm. Like, no other explanation other than that, huh? <laughs> I mean, sometimes, you know, people say what you already were thinking, so I'm going to go with J.K. Wolf on that, so. Okay. Fair enough, fair enough. Now, when it comes down to this particular fight card, we're going to continue on with a We Are Rising podcast tradition. Which three fights do you think are going to rot the house? Outside of, you know, the tri-main event, so to speak, because we already know that's going to be... I mean, those three fights, those six fighters, the Sosa, Carlisle, Inouye, Archuleta, Asakura, and Motoya are going to be ready to rock the house. Alright, so, so I'm going to go uh, Temurov and Habamoto, Ashida versus Majima. And Dawson versus Samoto. I think that's those are three other than the tri main event. Right? Take ass. Okay, Jay, you? Good picks, good picks. Uh, so I'm going to go with a different one then instead of Tomorov. Uh, and um, I'm going to go with the debut of Victor Kolesnik and see how he matches, how he can match up against a good Japanese fighter on a good win streak his Epic Rising debut. Very excited to see his, his debut. And, you know, I'd like to pick also the Dotson fight, but since Star already picked that one, I want to pick a different one. So I'm going to, you know what I'm going to go? I'm 
gonna go with Okus Rocky and Boy Dallin. That one, that one could be. You, you never know. So that, that'll be the third one. But I, I really like Star's picks. I think those are some great picks. So I, I'll pick the ones that be different. But definitely Victor's debut is definitely one to watch for sure. And then you know, obviously the Dawson bout and and the Turmoil bout is like Star picked. And I'm gonna pick uh, Rocky Allen. And then the, the custom rolls bow with the soccer sun, soccer star sun Mira versus the the matches star Yaman, and um, I'm expecting some violence out of Yaman in that. And so, yeah, those those are my three picks. Besides, obviously, the tri main event, which is just gonna actually just blow the roof off the house, gonna just rock the house. I can't wait. Uh yeah, and of course. When it comes down to the three fights I'll be picking outside of the three main event fights, which those really should be treated with main event quality, I mean, I'm going to go ahead and basically say that the three fights I'm looking forward to, since there are no women's fights on this card, three fights I'll be looking forward to are Kishimoto versus Kolesnik, because I think we at Focus Fights, basically being me, Put that out on Instagram that he was getting signed. Kolesnik. Let's see. John Dotson versus Toxki Salmolto. That'll be a fire fight in the second bout. And most definitely the third fight that I'm going to pick. Not to basically rain all over your parade. Or in this case, put raisins in the potato salad, which I won't eat. <laughs> I mean, basically... I'm going to pick Buakar versus Rukia Ampo. Because, I'm glad you picked the kickboxing Yeah, I'm basically saying it right now. If that fight does not live up to be the best kickboxing fight in Rising Fighting Federation history, they should burn any and all opportunity to have another kickboxing fight of that caliber ever again. Like, don't even think about having no Grand Prix. Don't even think about having no all-kickboxing show. If that fight does not live up to the expectation, you can burn down the opportunity of rising kickboxing ever turning a profit. <laughs> I don't know if I go that far, but, I mean, I think it'll, it'll deliver the goods. I, I hope it does for the kickboxing fans, for sure. So, but no, those, those are some great picks, Jay Christian. And, and same with you, Zar. I mean... Time I was talking to you guys about this uh, car. Yeah. Of course, of course. Yeah, you, do you want to take us out of the outro? Take us out of the outro, Jay Chris. I just want to basically say, well, first of all, you know, first of all, Jay, how can people contact you outside of this little space called Discord? You know, what's your social media game like? I'm on Twitter. Uh, Twitter, J A Y Y Discord with us. There's a lot of fun. 
was a lot of fun having you on. It was great to hear your perspective and hear your thoughts and views on the fights. I just really look forward to it, especially the other big, you know, tri-main event and all that good stuff. So it was an absolute, absolute pleasure and honor to talk to you. Yeah, appreciate it, man. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sar, how can people contact you on social? I mean, I mean I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a low-key guy. I'm just really on Discord, so if you want to... If you want to chat, uh, just join the Ryzen FF fans Discord, and I'll and we can shit post. I guess so that's, what, that's what we pretty much do here anyway. So yeah, Absolutely. come on, come on, come here. All right, so that's pretty much it. So you ain't got no other social media to post outside of this Discord. Nah, man. man, I'm a low key guy. I like to like, like keep it low key. That's awesome. I, I admire that. Sorry. <laughs> Understood. Understood. Well, I guess that leaves me. <laughs> well, this was not how it turned out. This was not how this was supposed to turn out. Yeah, blame Andrew. <laughs> no, I can't blame Andrew for that one, even though he did want to go out and explore the Japanese culture, the Japanese, you know, limelight, all that shit. But still, though, point of the matter is. Some karaoke bar super drunk right now. <laughs> nah, it's daytime over there. I'm pretty sure he's not super drunk I'm, right I now. I've seen Andrew before. Like, he always posts like, when he's drunk. So I, <laughs> I mean, I'm not trying to say... It's not a good time to get drunk. I mean, I'm not trying to say that he's not going to get shit-faced. But still, though, when it comes down to that, you know, I thank y'all for, you know... Joining me, first of all, I thank y'all for listening, if y'all are listening to this. I'm pretty sure Anna out in Indonesia is enjoying every second of this podcast and just enjoying you, J-Wolf, and myself talking about it. But still, though, just to basically... Mm-hmm. But still, though. If you want to check out more of what we got at Focus Fights, just go ahead on and check out the Linktree page in the description of this podcast. Link, L-I-N, I'm trying to spell this out. I'm basically fumbling all over myself like it's a damn Texans game and we're all losing again. <laughs> hey, 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 be, be, be kind of Get me quarterback. Come on, come on, come on. Understood. 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 But still, though, point of the matter is, if you want to check out more of what Focus Fights has over on our Linktree page, just go to that L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash Focus Fights. F-O-C-U-S-F-I-G-H-T-S. Because I'm tired of basically running down all these plugs for this podcast. If you want to check out more of what we have here on Focus Fights Audio, be sure to check out what we have. I mean, be sure to check out. Oh, man. See, I'm fum- I'm still fumbling. I have a hard time trying to do it when it's just me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Of course. Of course. Let me go ahead. Ah, uh, yeah, let me go ahead. <laughs> but yeah, y'all basically gave me an idea, though. When it comes down to checking out Rising 42, you can check it out this weekend, May 6th, live on Fight TV 
from the Ayake Arena in Koto, Tokyo, Japan. Once again, that'll be around 1 a.m. Eastern, 10 p.m. Pacific, midnight for us in the Central Time Zone. Or, if you want to not waste all your damn money, be sure to get the Fight TV bundle, which will not only give you the opportunity to watch Ryzen 42 this weekend, but also look back at last weekend's Ryzen Landmark 5 show. It's half off, it's 30 bucks in total, and it'll basically save you 30 bucks trying to buy two separate events at one, which is 60 bucks in total. So, if you want to check out that fight card, be sure to go to FITE.TV on your computer, smartphone, or what have you, or download the Fight TV app, damn it, on your smartphone, smart TV, smartwatch. Or whatever type of device you have. And fight like you mean it. I am not a paid spokesperson. Fight TV is the property of Flips Media Incorporated and Triller Incorporated. A division of Proxima Media, LLC. Copyright 2023, Flips Media Incorporated, Uniondale, New York, and Sofia Bulgaria. All rights reserved. Yeah, Swiss, Swiss Beast. C- come up with J. Christian Chang, bro. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Of course. <laughs> but still, though. That just about toss it from us for now it's like you said pride never died pride is rising but even though this is not the we podcast i do want to basically say as i normally say on this pretty good podcast of myself you know first of all let me go ahead and give you who i am i am the chillmeister chris gary you can follow me on twitter at chris gary 92 on instagram at christian gary 1992 and i say in closing peace my peoples in one love world protect yourself at all times keep fighting because you never know who might hear your story and in the words of the late, great Jerry Springer, because he did pass while we were taking time off, all I gotta say is, as he would say it, take care of yourself and each other. Peace! <laughs>